It's time we shift our perspective on business and life and see that our businesses are the means to us living life first. Reinventing the way we go about our days as entrepreneurs, the Zero Wasted Days podcast is designed for dream makers and action takers, and also those who value going slow and savoring the moments in between. This is the essence of living a Zero Wasted Days life, and welcome to the Zero Wasted Days podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne Acteson, a former C-level executive turned seven-figure serial entrepreneur, transformational business coach, and I love helping women entrepreneurs merge strategy, feminine energetics, and embodiment to create outside-the-box business solutions to their challenges. In each episode of the podcast, I'm going to share how to redefine how you do business and learn how it can be the means to you living life first. I'm going to share interviews with inspiring people who can help you see how worthwhile it is to keep pursuing your dreams, share heartfelt stories I know you're going to relate to, and give you ideas and strategies to keep going after your biggest dreams. I hope you find value and inspiration here, and that will keep you coming back each and every week. I have some amazing guests lined up, as well as some solo episodes planned. So let's get into this week's episode. So welcome back to this week's episode of Zero Wasted Days. I am really excited to be interviewing Kate Scudder, who is my own business mentor, onto the podcast today. And Kate is a boss mama extraordinaire. She's a seven-figure business coach for women and says that she is your excuse's worst nightmare, which I can certainly attest to. Kate is on an unstoppable mission to support ambitious female entrepreneurs just like you and I to scale profitable, purpose-driven businesses that change the world. I am honored to call Kate my coach, and you will hear for yourself Kate's passion in creating her most amazing zero-wasted-days life. So much so that she gets a little emotional with me today, talking about the legacy and the life she's creating for her own family. I hope you love this conversation as much as I do. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Zero Wasted Days. So I am super, super excited. I think I say that every time, but it just keeps getting better and better. And I I am genuinely really excited for today's episode because I have with me Kate Scudder, who is my own business mentor and has been for the last six months. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me, Suzanne. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, you were on my, even I think before we started working together, I'm like, oh, she's living the zero wasted days life. She's, you know, and obviously we ended up um, starting to work together, but you've always been on my list of people that I kind of bucket list of potential podcast guests. And so I, you know, I'm always kind of pinching myself when I'm sitting here having these conversations. And if anything, you know, this, I'm getting lots of, you know, this is episode, I don't know, what are we in? Like maybe the first 10 episodes and getting lots of beautiful feedback. But I think just personally, if I could be just truly selfish about this, I'm having the best conversations with oh totally women like you for, you know, an hour once a week or maybe even more. And so, you know, just pure Really selfishly, this is this is filling filling my heart. On, on I weekly. love it so juicy. It's definitely one of the best things about podcasting, and I'm so happy to be here. So I have, you know, kind of had a good little think about what I really want to dive in, you know, without like assuming that everybody knows what I know about about you. And one of the things I can see from, you know, from from what I've seen on your website, when I've re- watched your TED talk, you know, just really kind of analyzing, you know, K- Kate Scudder, um, is that, you know, being you has not necessarily been easy. 
And I'm going to explain. So, you know, I, I know through stories that you've told, and I, I hope that you, you feel comfortable sharing as much as, as you can. I'm here. an open book, baby. Bring yeah. it out, whatever it is. <laughs> that, you know, really getting back to who you truly are and becoming the woman that you are today. You know, you've lost friends in the process. You know, people, I guess you thought were, were friends and speaking your truth and, you know, getting back to that person that you've always been has been, you know, a, a, a journey. And I think, you know, people assume that, you know, you've always been this person who you are today and, you know, it's all kind of come easy. And sure, we, we know that there's been challenges and difficulties, but I think this story hit me in particular, if you know the one that I'm talking about. And I would love you to tell us a bit more about, you know, who you've become and what you've had to kind of lose and shed along that way. Mm, so good. Yes. I love it. Just going straight for the juicy, straight juicy. For the jugular. So no, I don't need to know that. I love it. Coach. No. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. So good. I'm assuming you're talking about my wedding and my bridesmaids. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So the journey to becoming who we always are, I feel it's like, so Joseph Campbell, but you know, for me, I started my business without going into the huge long backstory. I started my business in May, was it May or June? One of the two, right at the end of May, I think of 20. Oh, this is my anniversary month. So 2017, you guys. So this is going to be coming up at the time of recording this, my six year anniversary in business, which is wild to say. Um, but I was not like, uh, oh, I had the idea to start a business. And then I did it the next day and became a millionaire. Like, that's not my story at all. I moved to Bali, where I started my business at the very end of 2015. And I spent a year and a half. So from the time I moved there to the time I finally started my own business, it was like a deep period of self-doubt, questioning myself, watching other people doing it, starting to like open my perspective that online business was a thing and building a brand was a thing and that one could just aggregate all, like I could aggregate all of my skills, brand it and sell my essence and my skill set as like, it, it was just a time of really computing that that was a possibility. Mm. I had come from academia and previously was a teacher. And so it was very much like you show up between these hours and pour all of your essence in. And my most recent full-time job before moving to Bali, I was making $38,000 a year, working probably 65 hours a week at a small wow. private school. And I was like, so grateful. You know, I was the young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, young 20-year-old without a family. So I'm like, sure, extracurricular, like pay me $400 for an entire season of work. That sounds great, you know? I was coming from this place of like a real, I don't even want to say scarcity mindset because it wasn't like, oh, there's not enough. It was, I did not, I don't come from a family of wealth. I went to a very successful, you know, a very fancy school in New England, but I got into that school, quite frankly, I had great grades, but I got into Amherst College and went there and then Smith College for my master's. Uh, but I got into Amherst because I was a basketball player and athlete. And so Anyway, coming from this like performing focused background, that's actually where I met this group of girlfriends at Amherst College. And all of us were teachers, um, humanitarian workers, worked for nonprofits, very like lofty ideals of how to be in the world and what it means to be a good person, a person of privilege. Everyone, you know, going to Amherst College is in certainly a position of privilege and what to do with that. And so, 
fast forward, when I started my business in May of 2016, no, sorry, 2017, I really had started to, I built up that courage over that year and a half of sitting on the sidelines. I'd finally, within the like four months uh, prior to that, hired a mentor, a couple different mentors actually. And one of them was like this immersive in-person mastermind. And it was literally like kicking your butt out of the nest, like launch your damn business, Kate. And so I finally started to publish content, publish my ideas. Like I hired a graphic designer to help me make some, you know, graphics to put on Instagram. I started a Facebook group and wouldn't you know it? I like my business really started to take off. I had 30 people inside of my first group program. Half of them, by the way, I invited for free, but half of them were paying clients. It was a $347 course. And like Suzanne, I thought I was freaking Oprah. Like I was like, <laughs> yes. And I was so happy about that. And right after that, I started to sign private clients, booked out my private practice, and it really just started to unravel from there. I made six figures in my first year, scaled to multi-six in 18 months. Um, we had a Forbes feature come out after just around like just after the year mark in business. And it really started to take off from there. So my wedding, so this is May, 2017, when I started my wedding was in Maine. So we flew back. My husband is Australian, we, but we were living in Bali, flew back from Bali to Maine to get married. And so my business had been going for a couple months. My friends were seeing my content posting, you know, I was about to get married and it came out after my honeymoon in Italy. I remember sitting down for a dinner with one of my bridesmaids and best friends at the time. And she told me, she was like, Hey, I just have to let you know that there was a lot of like shit talking about you behind your back at your wedding. And it was like one of those moments. I don't know if you've ever heard. I mean, I hope you have not heard that exact thing, but something where it's like your reality, just that feeling of betrayal, like the room started to go fuzzy. I didn't feel like I was going to pass out, but I I felt it was like an out-of-body experience. And I was probably dissociating a little bit, to be honest. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, some of the girls think it's like quite weird that you're posting on social media that you like do these photo shoots. I mean, literally, Suzanne, like it was like how weird and Totally. And, and that you basically like that yourself, that you think you're like hot stuff. And I had broken some secret code that to be a woman of privilege, to be intelligent, to be articulate and skilled, like means that you are subscribing to a career where you don't get your needs met and you under earn. And it was so clear to me. I mean, over after processing it and like doing quite a bit of therapy after that experience that like this unspoken contract was to belong means that you can shine. You're the, you're like the brilliant, funny one, but you know, to, to like be talking openly about making six figures to be publicly championing women to take up space. Like we don't do that. Mm. And we're uncomfortable that you're doing that. And, and there were other things that I won't get into, but it really shook me. And Mm -hmm. I remember just like sobbing to Toby and saying, and crying to my coach at the time and saying like, maybe this business is not for me. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I really am a, you know, 
selfish and superficial and blah, 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 blah. And I really took Suzanne, me like sitting with that feeling of like so much betrayal, so much heartache, so much shame, like, am I this shallow, terrible person? And really sitting with myself to be in the discernment of, wait a minute, am I truly going to contort my essence and muzzle my expression and make myself smaller to belong inside of a circle that is quite literally telling me that being in my full expression is too much. And it was a very painful experience, but what I am actually so profoundly grateful for, because it became so clear, like, hell no, I will not abandon myself to belong to this group. And I mean, there's so much that I could say about the qualities of like lasting sisterhood and friendship and like that ability to become, you know, ourselves on a physiological level are totally new every seven years. Our essence, while maintaining threads of sameness, is constantly evolving. And so in relationship to both be, um, to hold the people that we journey through life with, whether those are our close friends or partners, whatever, with this essence of just like continual curiosity Mm. and who we're unfolding into, I think is so important. But I think on the business owner side, I am so grateful for that threshold moment because I literally could have just closed my doors and closed my books and said, I'm going to go get a teaching job. I will go get my PhD. I'll be in academia. Like I'm going to do something else, but it's not safe to continue to shine. And it's so, it's like profound to even share that because not only would I be, have made millions of dollars less, literally like over $20 million in client revenue over the last six years. I think about all the money that wouldn't have gone into the economy. I think about all of the women whose lives and trajectories have been shaped by some semblance of my message or us working Mm. together. I think about the way that my family life has unfolded. And it is like quite literally, I think all of us to a degree are faced with this question of if my worst fear comes true, if I truly lose love, if I lose a sense mm. of belonging, if if some past relational contract severs because I rise into my fullest expression, is that worth it? And I think mm. we need to be prepared to let go of and, and of naturally evolve out of any relationship that requires us to abandon ourselves in the process. I love this because on the flip side of that question of what's the, what's the worst that can happen is I was listening to Mel Robbins this morning. Yesterday was a public holiday here. So it felt like a very Monday and I was feeling a little bit energetically sluggish. And so, you know, I, I checked Mel on while I was in the shower. She has that kind of motivational ability and she was talking about, you know, but what is the upside? What's the best that could happen? You know, if you didn't do this and I think answering that question, you start to see like, you know, like you've said, the people that you've, whose lives you've touched, the impact that you've made. And I think that that's where, you know, so many of us who feel like we are made for more and have more to do in the world can just say, well, you know, yes, the worst that could happen is that I lose my job. I lose my friends. I, you know, whatever the, I fall on my face. What's the best that could happen is, is where my, you know, brain kind of turns on and starts to send fireworks. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think there's actually something so liberating about 
getting like still enough inside of ourselves, inside of our nervous system to actually examine the question of what's the worst that can happen. Mm. Because often it's the, it's the like nebulous fear and like impending sense of doom of the worst happening that is the hardest part. There's actually something so liberating about looking at, oh, the worst that could happen in this situation is that this circle of women is not the dear close friends through like unconditionally, no matter what that I thought. And Mm -hmm. the worst that could happen is that those relationships go away so that my truest essence gets to continue Mm -hmm. to shine. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not that bad while it's hard and there's grief and there's processing that has to happen. It is true. And I just come back to this phrase over and over the truth will, the truth will set you free. The truth is magnetic. I mean, it's a phrase that's been said hundreds of times in so many ways, but the, the key I think is really looking at and disarming this fear of the worst happening, because if it is true, if whatever we fear happening is actual truth, then it's kind of the risk that we have to take, Mm. isn't it? Yeah. And you call yourself a rule breaker. You know, why do you think that it's so important that we continue to break rules uh, in becoming who we who we are? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not like a rebel without a cause. I don't believe in, you know, whatever anarchy and just being like, and it's, but I do think that the the rules that I'm interested in questioning and really shaking shit up, you know, I'm a manifester, I'm an Aquarius. So of course I've got this outlook is the rules, quite frankly, that we construct for ourselves, that we mm-hmm. tell ourselves, this is how I have to play. This is how, this is my lot in life. This is what people know me as, and really asking ourselves, is that really true? And is that my highest truth and my highest expression? And if it's not, what would a more truthful expression look like? So the rules that I'm interested in breaking are, or in encouraging women to question are the self-imposed limitations, the self-imposed roles, the self-imposed contracts that we are consciously or not upholding that may or may not cause us to betray our own essence. And if we are in a rule, a contract, an agreement, unspoken or spoken, Mm. that has us editing the truth of who we are, those are the rules that we really need to examine. Yeah. And there's so much editing, you know, on if, if, like you said, for our, for ourselves, let alone who we let be seen in, in our businesses that I think is, is constantly a challenge for us to work through as, as, as entrepreneurs, but the more and more, you know, uh, I know you've shared vulnerability on, on, on social media and you, and you've said that sometimes the time when you connect the most and you, when you, you know, in your most authentic self and you let it actually all hang out, <laughs> Totally. You know, it, it doesn't just resonate with people, but you're, you're being your true self. And obviously that's, you know, that's a major reason why energetically people are people is there's, there's that resonance. Totally. And it is reminding me, you know, as we're talking about this story, I think also there are going to be people who are uncomfortable when you show up in your truest essence, whether it is radiating the fullness mm. of your beauty and radiance and power, whether it is sharing your vulnerability, like the mirror, there are going to be people who are like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing this way. Your liberation work that you have done on the inside that is 
showing and manifesting on the outside is part of my healing process is part of my is serving me on a deep level. And then there are going to be people who say, that's so cringe, that's uncomfortable, stop. And it actually has nothing to do with us. But in both cases, right? We are being the expression of who we are in the world, feeling that comfort with with letting more and more of ourselves be seen. And our expression is meeting others where they are and are at in their journey. And for some, it is going to be a flare of permission and possibility. For some, it is going to be cringe AF. And I think it's so important to remember that it actually has nothing to do with us. Mm. Our job is not to control, manipulate, or try to engineer a certain other people's favor of us. Our job is to be authentic. Yeah. And there is somebody out there for everybody. If, 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 you know, if they don't resonate with you, then there's going to be somebody else that, that, that's out there. Um, 100%. One of the things I see a lot with high performing women and something that I have suffered, quote unquote, suffered from myself, um, is actually the fear of success. And mm-hmm. I know that you did a TED talk, uh, I've listened to it. And one of the variables that you say is, you know, one of the biggest challenges that, that not all, not all of them, people can go and, and watch your TED talk for the whole thing. But one of the, the fear of success is a really interesting one, because, you know, we've, a lot of women that come into my world have achieved a certain level of success, you know, once or twice. And, you know, there's this, there's this thing holding us back that, that, and it's obviously ourselves. And it's the it's the question of, you know, can we possibly do it again? But if we are women who are who are desiring more and who feel like we want to continue to contribute in the world and, and shine brighter, you know, how how do we overcome this fear of success? And you know, you obviously see it within your own clients, me included. Um, and I'd love to I'd love to hear your perspective a bit more. So for me, the fear of success, the way that it has manifested for me in the past and continues to manifest for me in different ways and how I deal with that. It's like the fear of success to me is not, oh, geez, how terrible would it be if I become a millionaire? Like, it's not that it's this feeling of, do I have what it takes to sustain this? And Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, there is a performative uh, thing that arises. I think for a lot of people, There's also this beautiful opportunity to face a part of ourselves that says, not only am I capable to keep this going, but am I going to let other people down? I think the fear of success has a lot Mm -hmm. to do and is such a medicine when it arises because it has so much to teach us about healing our people pleaser, healing our addictive patterns to like performance and work and really melt away any edges of needing to like force in order to sustain a certain level of success. Mm. I think for a lot of folks that I've seen who come from a background, either a competitive or a high performing background in corporate education, whatever their background is, and they know how to achieve a certain level of success through abandoning their bodies and relationships and physical, mental, spiritual health. There is quite quite literally a trauma response when certain levels of success start to get unlocked because there is an associative pattern of success equals sacrifice in one of these other really essential areas, health relationship. And so the opportunity that arises is to rewire ourselves Mm. to experience success in a way that 
is truly whole picture. And I know I'm speaking your language here, Suzanne, but I think that is such an opportunity. And the other thing that I find myself supporting women in a lot is this feeling of, am I competent enough to run a business at this level? I mean, I've worked with women who are already seven figure business owners or company is generating over a million dollars cash a year. And there's this feeling of like, I'm faking it or I'm not a real business owner because I don't have like XYZ operational skills or I don't, my brain is in a numbers brain as if I were a CFO. And it's like, no, honey, you're a CEO. You're a visionary. Like you don't need to be the expert at those things. You need to hire those roles. And so again, I think that there's a lot of, it's deeper than imposter syndrome. It's like almost identity dissociation that can happen of this because societally and in the patriarchy, we're taught to imagine achieving a certain level of success either looking like being, you know, a very hyper masculine executor numbers oriented. Da, da, da. I think that we are just starting to unwind our perception of success, being able to look a totally different way and feel a totally different way. It gets to feel relaxed. It gets to feel uh, holistic. It gets to feel balanced. It gets to feel resonant and supported and it gets to be built based on your strength, my strength, a person's strength, and not by needing to hyper achieve across all areas. Does that distinction make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's that you know, you say you're speaking to the converted already, except this is a journey and it's a it's an ongoing practice to continue to rewire and relearn. And, you know, we spent, I spent 20 years learning in a certain 20 years of my corporate life. And even before then, you know, you know, achievement and and success was always how I, you know, felt good and how I've always associated achievement to success. But it's only been in the last kind of six years that I realized that in business, we can completely rewrite it and that we can define our own levels of success and define how we do business. And then it's only been in the last kind of, you know, maybe 18 months, two years that this, that this energetic kind of, I've always understood the, you know, the mindset and, and, and energy, but the real kind of, you know, need to regulate the nervous system. So there is so much, so much, so much rewiring to do at a energetic level, but also just this permission and it's women like yourselves and like yourself and and hopefully, you know, what I'm doing with women now that that helps them see that they can do, they can do business differently. They can do life differently without having to continually, you know, compromise. And, and, and obviously we know this is a very kind of post patriarchal way of growing our businesses and you've structured. So obviously there's like, you know, the nervous system and the energetic side of things, which is an ongoing practice. And I continue to invest in myself, you know, on a daily basis, but there's also, there is a strategic side of things. And you went to Australia for two months this year. And I would love to know, you know, how you have set up your strategically, your business model, your offers, your strategy being created intentionally to support and to serve you. So I'd, I'd love to know, because I have a lot of people that are like, that are, that are working on business model and working on offers and, and, and programs and, and, and realizing that after their first kind of, you know, 
um, go at entrepreneurship for the last, you know, for the first five years, they're like, something kind of has to change. And they start really seeing how they can put life first and how they can um, live in a more zero wasted days way that we can inspire. But how does the strategy help support that? Yeah, totally. Such a great question. So we did go to Australia for two months. My husband is originally from country New South Wales, but uh, all of his family and most recently he lived in Sydney before he moved to Bali. So Australia is definitely far part of our family puzzle. It is just you know, it's the, our other home. And it, I know, you know, being having home in three countries, Suzanne, what it feels like to have that sort of split. So for me, it's, a, it's a non-negotiable that my business allows us to travel. I don't have any interest in being a digital nomad again. I've done that, but to be able to move our family for a couple of months to live out of a different part of the world in a different time zone is essential. So for me, having a business model that allows me to continue. So uh, the other actually relevant thing I should share for your listeners who may or may not know this, I have two young kids. So I have two kids under three. Uh, while we were in Australia, my son was still co-sleeping with me and nursing through the night. We have only just, side note to celebrate, we have only just gotten him to sleep through the night in his crib. So I feel like I have a whole new lease on life. Yeah. I literally feel like the protagonist of a musical, like clicking my <laughs> heels when I wake up in the morning. It's so good. Um, but anyway, so we, the curveball that we had in Australia was that we had very, very, very limited childcare. And so putting life first, wasn't just like a nice to have, it was an essential. Mm. And so, uh, I have, as you know, I have a year long mastermind container. I also have a six month mastermind and I have a membership that allowed that's evergreen. It's rolling. People can join at any time. Uh, that's consist that is made up of live group programs that run live that people can join a la carte, or they can upgrade, uh, which there is like a huge financial incentive and all sorts of other bonuses. It's super juicy. It's called the leap year membership, but um, people can join that at any time. So for me, having my call structure, having my existing containers, our MRR stacked and set up so that uh, money is flowing in no matter what we're selling. And again, we do rely on those couple of bigger launches a year and put time and energy into those to stack MRR from some of our other programming. But then having an evergreen offer where people can come in at any given moment. Um, we had, I don't know the total number, over 10 people sign up and the Leap Year membership is around $10,000 um, mm-hmm. for on the payment plan. It's 8888 pay in full. But uh, to have an offer of that size that people that is super value dense, that is really rich and nourishing, um, that people can access stuff straight away that that they can join at any time makes it so that I don't have to be in a huge launch while, you know, I am on mom duty and have mm-hmm. really limited childcare. I don't have to be, you know, pushing past my capacity. I get to be serving and showing up in the capacity that I do have, but have an offer that makes it just an easy ascension for somebody who's really wanting to tap into that value. Yeah. And so obviously like there's the logistics and the kind of, you know, energetic side of things, you know, you, you did, and you had to kind of do calls at odd hours of the night and or, or the morning or whatever it was, how, you know, what do you do to keep, you know, and, and obviously two, two very young, young children, what do you do to keep your energy going and your nervous system kind of in check with breastfeeding baby in tow? 
Such a great question. I'm like, this is not the, 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 what do I do to keep going? And what do I do to regulate my nervous system are not the same answer. Coffee (laughs) is my very basic bitch answer to number one, but no, that is like, I'm just kind of joking with that. Although I do drink coffee and love it. I prioritize and have spent so much of this postpartum, both like the early postpartum window. So my son is 10 months old. So I still Mm -hmm. consider myself postpartum from this last pregnancy and birth. Uh, I have really prioritized my physical health, Suzanne. So Mm -hmm. like nutrient debt, like it is a non-negotiable to me. I'm not just like, I'll grab a granola bar for breakfast. I'm like, no, I need farm fresh eggs, organic bacon. Like I am like front loading so much nutrition and all of my meals. I just, I don't skip meals. I really prioritize my health, not at all from a place of wanting to, quote unquote, get my body back or like Mm. be a certain weight, but from a standpoint of like cellular nourishment, Mm. it's just an absolute essential. And then for me sleep. So like I said, while I was in Australia, sleep was just broken because of, and I don't mean broken, like every night was terrible, but it it was broken up. It wasn't sleeping Mm. consecutively through the night. And so napping at any time that I possibly could during the day. Now, I mean, they say sleep when the baby sleeps for me, it was like sleep when your kids sleep, take a nap in the afternoon. Again, there's so much unwinding that has to happen from that because even, you know, even when you're super successful, like there's, and perhaps honestly, even more when you have a moment to rest, how often do, are we conditioned to fill that with more doing? Mm -hmm. So that's the nervous system work is recognizing the impulse. Oh, I could just bang out a couple loads of laundry or, oh, I could just do batch record a couple of podcasts or, oh, I could get to that project that I had to sideline because I don't have uh, childcare. So I could just like quick do that while the kids are sleeping. And for me, it is this like really devotional practice of recognizing, oh, hey, check in. Are you about to abandon your body in the sake of getting shit done? You know how to do that. You've done that for a long time. You did that for a long time in your past, you know, iteration, but we don't do that anymore. So it's Mm -hmm. like having those non-negotiables with self and those moments built into downregulate. And for me, it was like, literally get in bed, have your phone on the other side of the room on airplane mode and just like shut the blinds. And in that environment of like, removing stimulus. And I think, you know, for so for myself, I know that I need to have my phone out of reach because it is just too compelling to do shit, check on shit, not even like scroll mindlessly, but like get on Slack and work with team on things. And so it's really setting yourself up for an environment in your physical space to remove nervous system activators and to really support that down regulation. So whether that is drawing the blinds and making a dark, cozy environment, whether that's putting on a, a, some sort of playlist, whether that's taking a bath, if you don't want to sleep, like whatever the thing is, but allowing yourself to really downshift and down regulate. And I think that the energy work combined with that somatic work is the, is rewiring and building the capacity to trust that rest supports wealth. My rest supports my business growth. And I think that that is, there's a lot of skepticism around that for a lot of people. And we need to be willing to die that identity death 
that I, and that might sound hyperbolic, but I actually don't think it is at all. I think so many of us are so conditioned after years and years of working in a certain way that we quite literally fear that if we stop pushing, we will collapse. Our business will collapse. We will never make another dollar. And we have to be willing to enter the void to sync up with a different rhythm to learn a different way. Yeah. One, 100%. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I ascribe, I prescribe to, to, to all of what you're, you're mentioning. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned is in nourishing your body with, you know, beautiful organic food and eggs. And I want you to tell me about how your, you know, what, what your, your chickens and your, this has nothing to do with your nervous system. And, and I loved everything that you said, but it's a really good segue into it. And your new dwarf goats have to do with your dream. Yeah. I mean, oh, I wasn't expecting to feel emotion when you just asked that. I mean, I think about, I was just out walking on our land earlier. I was sending a video to someone and my chickens were like literally in the background of the video. Um, I, I'm like feeling emotion because it has everything to do with the life I'm giving to my children. It has everything to do with, I mean, the magic and the mystery I feel every afternoon going out to feed the guinea fowl and feed the chickens and collect the eggs. Like Ella, my two and a half year old, she is just like wide eyed with wonder and like, hi Gales. And just so cute. And her little like half Aussie, half Maine accent, but just that she gets to have this life, this life of deep interdependence and relational harmony with the earth and the natural world um, that she gets to see and be so close to the true heartbeat of abundance and what it looks like to be in a reciprocal relationship with a piece of land and with animals. It has everything to do with legacy. So, you know, I love making great money. I love uh, all of that. And for me in this season of my life, I love nice things as well. But for me, like right now, I'm like, yeah, dropping a grand on these goats. I would so much rather do that than buy a luxury bag, like, or a luxury, whatever. Like to me, the real flex in this stage and season is land and lifestyle and legacy to share with my children and, um, and to open up as well. Like I was literally just out in the carriage house right before this, my husband, he does many things. Everyone is so curious about Toby. Um, but one of the things that he does not professionally, but just for us, his, his background is as a builder. And so he is, um, putting the finishing touches on our carriage house, which is like a, renovated boho chic one bedroom apartment in an old building on the property, uh, which is yeah from the 18th century. It's been renovated anyway. And so it's not only sharing it with my kids who get to breathe that day in and day out, but also bringing people here. I'm about to host a retreat on my land two days from the time of recording this and welcoming people into this rhythm of life, into this pace of life. The goats won't be here in two days, but um, bringing people into that and like experiencing the integration and the down regulation and the combination of like true abundance and what that feels like in a, in a frequency that is devoid of the fucking noise and the glitz and the glam. Um, but really so integrated is what I see as a huge part of my legacy. And quite frankly, not just my contribution to my family, but also my contribution to this industry is like bringing that lens. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that you've given me so much personally, so much courage to uh, shout that from the rooftops. And Oh my God, totally. Cause you're over there in France doing the exact same thing, Suzanne. It's so beautiful. I remember DMing you after seeing you share your, your boho luxe bathroom <laughs> bathtub. I was like, yes, this is going on my Pinterest board. You can have the, you know, the Lux renovated house and the chickens and the simplicity. And then I think I, you know, I completely, I love how you just described how, you know, you want to have people come in to, to viscerally feel the, the energy and the down regulation of like what you've created. And that's why, you know, I also want to have people here for my retreat and, you know, there's so much that they can take in their, in their business to learn how to, you know, truly simplify things and stop overcomplicating things that, you know, and and then also just learn how to, you know, the France for me has taught me that, you know, coming back to, 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 to live here. It's a very, you know, there's a lot of things where they are just doing the same thing that they've been doing for hundreds of years. Yes. Hundreds of centuries. It's so true. I know. And your retreat is going to be so incredible in that, in that sense of giving, letting people drop into Mm. a frequency and a pace of life and a way of being Mm. and what we can access from that down-regulated state, that open state, that play state, you know, it really is like returning in so many ways to that frequency of childhood. I read a lot of like, we were talking before we started recording of like following homestead accounts on Instagram. I felt my feed is like two coach, like, I don't know, basically no coaches. It's all homesteading and then homeschooling and like outdoor education for children. And one of my favorite quotes, I can't remember who this is, so I can't attribute it to the right person, but it is not my original thought that play is the work of childhood. And Mm -hmm. I think about that state of curiosity, openness, creative world-making that Mm -hmm. that is like the, the primary way that human beings learn. Mm -hmm. And we still have access to that as adults. And yet we cut ourselves off from that so much. And so these retreat experiences or in-person immersions that drop us back into relationship with place, Mm. I think opens us back up to a lot of that creative energy that Mm. we have access to at all times, but the door is closed because we're so busy being in that doing mode. And so I think these immersion retreat experiences are just so, so wonderful for that. Yeah. And they really do take you out of your, you know, current life and drop you into something that, you know, seems unimaginable to make you realize that it is actually possible. Yeah. And out of the thinking brain as well. And sometimes it does take that, that absence from the normal pace to, Mm. to access that. Yeah. Yeah. And the the tagline for my own retreat is to dis- disconnect, to reconnect. And that's really, yes, it. that's so, that's it. hundred percent is, is what it's about. Right. So part of, um, this is very last question and part of my own, uh, formula for kind of, you know, if you could say formula for, I guess, business growth and, and success is a strategy and a life that is kind of, is really deeply rooted in my own values. And one of those values for me is spirit of adventure. So as a fun kind of final question, I'd love to know what adventure means to you and where your favorite place is to visit and where you would still love to go. 
Oh, I love this question. Totally not expecting this one. Well, this feels very fitting, Suzanne. So one of my very best friends in the world lives in South Africa. She's in Cape Town. I took my whole family there back in November, which was quite an adventure to do that trip with a four-month-old and just over two-year-old. But anyway, so she, we used to live together in Bali and I am heading at the end of this month in May to Paris for a girl's getaway. And I have to tell you, I feel like I am just so giddy. It's like girls sleepover does like Paris Luxe edition. I am so excited. So that feels like such a yummy adventure that is coming up and just, you know, making the time on my calendar and ladies, if you are listening to this and you're like, wow, that's so glam. Like the, the logistical headache of organizing childcare and all of the bits and bobs that have to converge all of there are So what I want to say is there are so many reasons to not prioritize play, pleasure, adventure, connection, sisterhood. There are so many reasons to justify it just being too hard. And yet I just got back from a retreat actually this last weekend, a peer led mastermind. And every single time I go to fill my cup, whether it is for business in sisterhood, whether it is just a soul sister refill I come back invigorated with a new perspective, expanded, new clients always reach out. It just seems to always work that way. And so prioritizing that is just so, so, so important. So Paris is definitely a portal for play and pleasure. And I have that coming up very soon, which I am so excited about. Um, Everyone keeps talking about Yellowstone and it's like really making me want to go to Yellowstone and Yosemite and the Redwoods and just get out and explore that part of the country, which I have not, the country being the United States that I have not been to that much. Of your own country at that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I would love to go to Hawaii. I would love to go to New Zealand. Uh, I'd love to go to Tasmania. So we go back to Australia every year, but because we don't have a ton of time there, we don't live there. Uh, Sydney and, you know, in and around the couple of places, our land and country, New South Wales, and then up the central coast is when, where we tend to stick to, but I would love to go to Tassie and Mm. see that part of the country. It's always a great idea to go and like meet, uh, meet family in those places. We met my parents so that we didn't have to go back to like their hometown all the time. We met them in Dublin and Scotland and California and Asia. We met them all over the place. You go and rent and actually I've got a great place where you can rent in Tasmania that friends of ours rented that 20 people. Yes. And it's on the water. Anyway, something like that would be beautiful. Yes. I love that. that. (laughs) Totally. So yeah, there's so many places. And you know, one of our big things, we have two kids, we want to have a couple more at least, uh, which sounds insane to say out loud, but it's true. Um, And so many people are like, Oh, my God, you're going you're taking two young children to South Africa. Oh, my God, you're taking two young children to Australia. And one of the best pieces of advice, I know you didn't ask this question, but one of the best things that I ever heard from a mom before becoming a mom myself is like work your kids into your everyday life. And Toby and I, Toby has been to like every freaking country in the world, not literally, but almost literally. Mm -hmm. 
And travel is just so much a part of our world. We were both expats in Bali when we met, like it is part of what we do. And frankly, part of the education that we want to give our children. So uh, the adventures continue (laughs) and we're just going to bring our kids along for the, for the ride. Yeah, I can't, I can't agree more what my, my eldest is 15 and he's been flying on a plane since he was three months old. And now he wants to be a pilot. He literally wants to be a pilot and is working towards that um, himself and is, you know, on the, on the cusp of that because he's going to be an adult very soon. Um, But what I've seen, like how it's manifested itself in each one of them. And they, you know, they see the world as being big, but they also see this world as being very small. And that like, you know, my little one still wants to, you know, talks about going back for the weekend to Australia. You know, he's, he's eight, almost eight. (laughs) And yeah, I think that that, that is just, you know, something that you can't, you can't, teach them they had they they really had it's a, it's a lived experience to to experience that a hundred percent and yeah. su- such a beautiful gift to give them I love that well Kate I thank you so so much for being here with me I really am honored and really appreciate you taking the time and diving into some of those little areas that you know that that were new for me to to, to hear you talk about how you create this beautiful life by your own design and you know the importance of that you know for what you're creating in your life for your children for your legacy is just really touching so I really appreciate you spending the time here with me today of course Suzanne thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Zero Wasted Days podcast. I truly hope you found it to be valuable and inspirational as you work to create a life by your own design. I would love you to rate and review this episode to let everyone else know about it and help me share this important message with the world. All you need to do is screen grab your review, share it on socials and tag me in to win a $100 Airbnb voucher that I'll be giving away every single month.